glory, 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 glory. While we're standing in this powerful presence of God, I want you to grab your Bibles. Go with me tonight to the book of Proverbs, chapter number 30. Book of Proverbs, chapter number 30. Thursday morning, went to bed very late after several days of fairly minimal sleep. I lay down Wednesday night anticipating a good night's rest. And I was awakened almost at a start at about 4 o'clock in the morning on Thursday morning. And immediately, God began to speak to me concerning the service tonight. God began to open up the word of the Lord to me. And so for the past several days, I've been praying, pondering this word from God. And I, I come to you tonight. I don't have any notes. I don't have a prepared sermon. But I come to you with a word from heaven for you tonight. Proverbs chapter number 30, verse number 15 says, The horse leech hath two daughters crying, Give, give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things say not. It is enough. The grave and the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water, and the fire that saith not, it is enough. And for a few moments this evening with the help of the Holy Ghost, I simply want to preach tonight, never satisfied. Never satisfied. Would you put your Bibles down and lift your hands and give the Lord a praise one more time all over this sanctuary. Come on, let's lift up our voices to him with our hands and worship to him tonight. Oh, oh God, I thank you for your sweet presence, God, that's in this house tonight, Jesus. I thank you for your sweet presence in this house tonight, Jesus. Come on, somebody feel after that right there. His presence is here right now. Somebody, God's positioning you right now. God is posturing you right now to receive the word of the Lord tonight. In the name of Jesus. Woo! <laughs>
name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. You may be seated tonight. The writer of the book of Proverbs, chapter number 30, the wise man, speaks to us concerning four things that he says are never satisfied. Four things that are never at a place of enough. Number one, he speaks to us concerning the grave. The grave which as long as there are people being born and people that are alive, the grave waits in anticipation of another soul. The grave is never satisfied as it awaits yet another human life that is ended. Talks to us concerning the barren womb that is never satisfied. Something about the yearning and the longing of the womb to bear children that is never satisfied. We hear the echoes of this desire in the voice of Rachel in Genesis chapter 30 when she says, give me children else I die. There's a yearning of the barren womb. Thirdly, he says that unsatisfied is the earth that is not filled with rain. Gives us a picturesque description of perhaps desert environments that no matter how much it rains, it's never enough to turn it from a desert into a paradise. It's never enough to cause particular plants to be able to grow and vegetation. That earth uh, is never satisfied with the level of moisture that comes to it. And then fourthly, he says that it is the fire that never says it is enough. Because as long as a fire has fuel to burn, the fire is never quenched. The fire never stops uh, of its own accord. It just consumes and consumes and consumes. And so tonight I want to talk to you uh, concerning another element uh, of our lives, another aspect uh, of who we are that is also never satisfied. The wise man lists four things, and perhaps there are even many more than what he lists. But tonight I want to talk to you about one other thing that is never satisfied. Perhaps we can catch a glimpse from a literary perspective concerning this next thing that I want to share with you tonight. If you were to read the story, the, uh, the Kipling, uh, Rudyard Kipling story published in 1902 called The Elephant's Child, you would read the story of a young elephant uh, who is 
portrayed anthropomorphically to us uh, uh, with other animals in the jungle. And this particular young elephant uh, is curious and he asks a lot of questions uh, concerning the other animals. Um, and Kipling writes that as this young elephant would go to the different animals, uh, his questions were never enough. Uh, he was never satisfied with the answers uh, until finally the, uh, the other animals would spank uh, the young elephant's child. Uh, the ostrich would spank the, the young elephant's child and, and the giraffe would spank the elephant's child and the baboon would spank the elephant's child because uh, of his incessant uh, questions. Uh, he was curious about everything. Uh, and then one day he asked the question, uh, what do crocodiles uh, eat for dinner? This question came uh, with spankings from uh, all of the other animals uh, at a level that he had never uh, experienced them before. Uh, and you can read the story at your leisure, uh, but you will find that at some point uh, that young elephant uh, finally uh, lets it get the best of him uh, and he finds himself uh, in front of a crocodile himself uh, asking the question, uh, what do crocodiles uh, eat uh, for dinner. The thing that I want to talk to us about tonight uh, that is never satisfied uh, is human curiosity. Human curiosity uh, is never uh, satisfied. Uh, there is something about the nature uh, of humanity, something uh, about the way God designed us uh, and the way that God created us. Uh, there is something inside of every human being uh, called curiosity uh, that simply is never uh, completely uh, satisfied. Um, if you uh, uh, have ever raised a child, uh, you know that in the very early stages uh, of that child's mobility uh, and their hand and eye coordination, uh, they first begin to answer questions uh, by pulling everything they can uh, into their mouth. Uh, and and they, they taste everything. It goes uh, straight to the mouth. Uh, why? Because they are trying to interpret uh, and identify uh, that object uh, and it is born into the human spirit uh, that curiosity uh, what is that uh, what does it taste like what does it look like uh, and it's not long before the child uh, begins to learn how to speak uh, that the questions begin the never ending questions why this daddy how come this mama and the one question uh, is, is answered, uh, but it's never enough. Uh, why this? And why that? Uh, one question leads uh, to the next question. Why? Uh, because human curiosity uh, is never uh, satisfied. 
And I want to bring this to our attention tonight out of a couple of places in the scripture. Uh, first of all, I would take you to the book uh, of Exodus chapter uh, number three. If media team, if you could get that uh, for me. Chapter three, the first uh, four verses. Uh, you will understand that Moses uh, is at a defining uh, moment of his life. Uh, he has been on the backside of a wilderness uh, for some 40 uh, years uh, because of decisions that he had made, uh, because of his misinterpretation uh, and his misunderstanding uh, of God's calling uh, and God's timing uh, in his life. Uh, and it is while he is on this uh, backside of the desert uh, that the Bible says as Moses uh, was walking along in the second verse uh, that all of the sudden uh, the angel of the Lord, anytime you see that term, um, it is God himself uh, as a theophanistic expression uh, of an angel. Uh, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him um, in a flame of fire uh, out of the midst uh, of a bush. Uh, and he looked uh, and behold the bush uh, burned with fire uh, and the bush uh, was not consumed. Uh, next verse. Uh, and Moses said, uh, I will now turn aside uh, and see this great sight uh, why the bush uh, is not you will understand that Moses did not turn to see uh, the bush because it was on fire. It was not uncommon for there to be a fire in the middle of the desert. You can study it out, but fires in desert places are fairly common, especially in the southwest with the activity of lightning strikes and other things. That is not what got his attention, but what got his attention is that the bush was not burned. Uh, there was something about his curiosity uh, that God used uh, to get Moses' attention. Uh, he utilized the curiosity uh, of Moses uh, to capture uh, his attention uh, and draw him to a place uh, that he could uh, talk to him. Uh, can I stop by here for just a moment tonight uh, and preach to you uh, that there are many burning bushes uh, in the world. Uh, the world has become adept uh, at developing their own uh, burning bushes. Uh, burning bushes that are designed uh, to captivate your attention. Uh, Hollywood uh, with its millions and millions of dollars uh, has developed pyrotechnics uh, and special effects uh, and computer generated images uh, that are designed as a burning bush uh, to capture the attention uh, of human uh, curiosity. Uh, Satan has become quite adept uh, at building his own uh, fakeade, his false uh, burning bushes uh, that are designed to capture uh, the attention uh, of humanity. Uh, and you wonder why uh, people see the advertisement uh, and its explosions uh, and its flames uh, and its intrigue uh, and it makes you want to see uh, the move. Wonder what that's all about. 
about. I wonder what the storyline is. I wonder how it turns out. That looks interesting. Can I tell you that it is a burning bush that is designed to manipulate human curiosity. Satan understands human curiosity and he has developed a technique whereby he will try to arrest your attention. Advertising is one of the largest industries of the United States. Multi-billion dollar industry. Matter of fact, if you've got interesting YouTube videos, you can become wealthy simply by letting people advertise. Because getting in front of people's eyes with burning bushes is worth a lot of money. Because being able to capture the attention uh, of people with your burning bush uh, is a lot, is worth a lot uh, of money. And so they develop advertising. Uh, they, they develop what is known in social networking uh, as clickbait. They are images that have, they have studied it down uh, to a science, the human behavior. They know uh, what interests the human eye. They understand uh, the kind of topics that are trending. Uh, they know the kind of storylines. And without giving you the entire thing, uh, they can put one line, uh, one phrase, uh, one image uh, that captures the attention uh, of your human curiosity. Uh, and just like that, uh, one click uh, and they pull you in uh, to deliver the message to you. Uh, with one click, they pull you in uh, and deliver that message uh, to your ears and to your mind uh, and to your spirit. Uh, but can I declare to you uh, that when all of the dust settles uh, and all of the smoke is cleared, uh, it becomes evident uh, that the fire is fake, uh, that there is nothing real about Hollywood. Uh, oh, I came to preach to you uh, that Hollywood uh, is a lie. The imagery they portray, the storylines they portray, the emotions that they try to evoke, the thought processes they try to influence when it's all said and done, you begin to realize that their fire is a fake fire, that it's empty. There's only one fire that never goes out, and that is the fire of the Holy Holy Ghost. There's only one well that doesn't run dry, and that's the well springing up out of your belly into rivers of living water. There is nothing the world has that can compete with the real thing, that can compete with the presence of God, that can compete with the glory of God. Human curiosity. One click. One, it's human curiosity that causes you to move your cursor and click on that one thing that leads you down a path that captures your attention. 
And before you know it, it's not the one click is not enough. It's the next. I'm preaching so good right now. Somebody had better hear your pastor in the Holy Ghost. It is human curiosity that causes you. You've been developed. The enemy has has trained. He has conditioned the human behavior so that your curiosity gets. You've heard the saying that curiosity killed the cat. Oh, because there's something about curiosity uh, that wants to go further uh, and further. Why? Uh, it's never satisfied. Uh, it's never enough. Uh, not just a little bit. Uh, it's got to be, I wonder what happens next. Uh, I wonder what happens if I go a little bit further. Uh, I wonder what happens if I just take it uh, a little bit further uh, than I plan to. Uh, human curiosity uh, is never satisfied. Uh, what do you think it is uh, that causes a young man or a young lady uh, to pick up a cigarette and inhale smoke, a toxic byproduct into their lungs. And the first time they do it, they're coughing and gagging and wheezing. Do you think it's because there's something good about the cigarette? No, it's human curiosity. I wonder what would happen. I know they say it's dangerous, but I wonder what would happen if I took a smoke. What do you think causes the young person who's read about the harmful effects of heroin uh, to one day put a needle uh, inside of their arm uh, and say, I wonder, uh, well, it's human uh, curiosity. Uh, it's never satisfied. Uh, they never intended on being an alcoholic. Uh, they never intended on being a drug addict. Uh, they never intended uh, on being addicted uh, to pornography. Uh, they never intended uh, on going there uh, or doing that. Uh, what was it? Uh, it was human uh, curiosity. That was never satisfied. Can I just preach to you that your curiosity was put there by God for you to seek his face. Your curiosity was put there so that you would seek after him. Who is God? What is his name? Show me your glory, God. Take me deeper. Take me further. I want to walk the curiosity in your life was put there by God for you to seek his face. But Satan has laid a trap for human curiosity. I'm preaching to some people in this building right now uh, that you have been hoodwinked uh, by the enemy. Uh, he has taken advantage uh, over this part of your life uh, that has led you down some roads uh, that you're not quite sure uh, how you can get out of it, uh, how you can turn around, uh, what you can do. Uh, but I came to preach uh, until every devil in hell uh, has to back up out of this place uh, and realize, uh, Satan, uh, there is nothing you can offer me. There is no counterfeit that can replace your love. There is no counterfeit that can replace your acceptance. There is no counterfeit. There's no club. There's no gang. There's no culture. There's no group of friends. There's no boyfriend. There's no girlfriend. There's no illicit affair. Nothing. When it's all said and done, it's heartache. It's it's pain, it's confusion, it's deception. Ah! 
You can take the world, but give me Jesus. Human curiosity. Don't you think for a moment that there isn't intentionality that when you pull up your Instagram it refreshes every few moments what is it it's a burning bush we're gonna find something that gets your attention how long can we keep you on the screen how long can we keep you engaged how many clicks did this advertisement get? How many visits did this page? And while you're scrolling, there's stories going across the top. Bombard you with more options. What about this fire? What about this fire? And they're competing voices for your attention. They're competing voices trying to get you to turn aside. Competing voices. Come and talk to me. Come and listen to me. Come here. I've got something I've got to tell you. I've got something I want to show you. I've got something I want to give you. Oh, and the human curiosity is never sad. You've got to guard the curiosity in your life. If you don't guard curiosity, it'll be filled with ungodliness. It'll be filled with everything except the presence of God and the very thing that's designed to draw you closer to your God as brought you full of this world and its thinking and its ideas and its culture. And I want to preach for a moment. When I rolled out of bed at 4 a.m., I immediately began to jot down a couple of things that God impressed upon me. You see... There's a unique dynamic in every church. You have the first generation that comes in. These are people that God has brought out of the world. They've tasted of the world. They've been bit by sin. They know the pain of divorce and what leads to it. They know the pain of sexual bondage and what it is that brought them to that place. They know what it is to try and break free from addiction to narcotics and alcohol. They understand. And so when God delivers them and they read in the Bible, the thou shalt not, they don't fight against it. Why? Because they understand. That's there to protect me. That's there to keep me. That's there because God loves me. That's there because God has rescued me. I don't have to do it. I'm delivered from it. I just need a few people in the building that can testify for a moment that God brought you out. That there's nothing in this world worth turning back for. There's nothing in this world worth having. You can have it all. You can have the club. You can have the parties. You can have the fancy house. You can have all of those things. You can have the relationships. Why? Because at the end of the day, 
They're not a real fire. They're fake fire. And all I want is the real thing. Give me. Come on, are you here tonight? But then you have another dynamic in the church. You have those who are born into this thing. Or they came in at such a young age that this is all they know. Adam and Eve are in the garden and it's all they know. All they know is God provides. All they know is the voice of God every day. All they know is peace and beauty and tranquility. But when God said of every tree of the garden, you shall not eat except this one. Human curiosity. And I could see every once in a while they would walk through the garden and they happen to be walking by that tree. And they just keep on walking. And they know, they, they might even step away a little bit. Uh-uh, uh-uh, I know better. They told, God told me about that tree. But there's something about human curiosity. Next time they stop and look over at the tree. Hmm, well, it doesn't look bad, but I know better. Then, then those thoughts, it's never enough. Human curiosity is never satisfied. And before you know it, we find Eve standing at the tree. And she's having a conversation with the voice of Satan. And her curiosity has gotten the best of her. She knows what God said. God said, don't eat of the tree. For in the day that you eat of it, thou shalt surely die. They've never witnessed anybody disobey. They've never been eyewitness to a soul that disobeyed God. It's just words. It's just a rule. It's just a regulation to them. And if you sit at the point of contemplation long enough, your curiosity will keep taking you further and further in your thinking. And pretty soon, the enemy jumps in and starts putting questions in her mind. Did God say that in the day you eat of it, you're going to die? No. Thou shalt not surely die. And so what happens? Curiosity begins to ask the question, maybe I can disobey and still love God. Maybe I can do what's wrong and I'm still saved. I don't see what's so wrong with the tree. If it's so bad, why did God put it in the garden? I'm preaching right now. If the tree is so bad, why 
would God even put it uh, in the garden? Uh, surely, uh, what is it? It's human uh, curiosity. Uh, oh, I, oh uh, and she had a good husband uh, because he didn't just tell her uh, not to eat it. Uh, Adam said, uh, don't uh, touch it. Uh, why? Because he understood uh, human curiosity. Uh, if you touch it long enough, uh, your curiosity uh, will have you taking uh, a bite. Uh, I came to preach uh, that there's a reason why uh, God has put people uh, in your life uh, and put his word uh, in your life uh, and put boundaries around you. Uh, it's not to hurt you. Uh, it's not to stop you from having fun. Uh, it's not to keep you uh, from experiencing life. Uh, it's to keep you uh, from experiencing uh, the pain uh, and the death uh, of sin. Don't you dare let the devil lie to you uh, and tell you it's just a bunch of rules uh, and regulations. Uh, don't you dare uh, let the fake fire uh, of Satan uh, tempt you uh, into disobeying uh, the voice of God. Maybe, maybe it's not. I know, I know all the verses. I can quote them to you. I know what my pastor preaches. I know what mom and dad say. But it's my choice. You got to let me do it. Oh God, you better understand right now that the kingdom of God is all about choices. Because at the end of the day, nobody, I said nobody, can make you do anything. But God said, I put before you two doors, one of life and one of death. He said, choose life that both you and your children may live. Adam and Eve, why do you have to see somebody else destroyed before you believe the word of God? I'm preaching to a generation in this church somewhere. You better get this word of God for yourself uh, somewhere uh, you better settle some things uh, in your spirit uh, to where it doesn't become uh, a bunch of rules uh, and regulations uh, but you understand uh, that God loves you uh, and there's a curiosity uh, in your life uh, that was designed uh, to bring you to God Did you see Adam and Eve being escorted out of the Garden of Eden? But, but, but I didn't intend on all this. I, I didn't plan. I wasn't. I, I didn't want to leave the Garden. There are unintended consequences to every decision you make. 
didn't plan on uh, on leaving the garden. I just, uh, I still love God. Where are you? Uh, I still love you. Uh, God, where are you? And the angel is pushing them uh, out of the garden. Uh, and when they get outside of the garden, uh, God places a cherubim uh, with flaming sword uh, to protect the entrance uh, back into the garden. I can just see one day their children sitting around the house. Daddy, tell us about the garden again. What was it like? Oh, son, it was amazing. You should have seen the rivers that flowed. It, it was it was breathtaking, son, and, and it was so the trees and everything was so amazing. And he's telling the story until he gets to that one part. Son, I think, I think it's time for you to go to bed. Daddy, but what about the rest of I said it's time for you to go to bed. I wish tonight that I could pull some of us uh, into an office uh, to sit with the backslider uh, while they scream uh, and cry uh, and their life is torn apart uh, because the enemy uh, tricked them into thinking uh, that they could cross the lines, uh, that it was no big deal, uh, and they let curiosity uh, get the best of them. My God, I'm reaching for some young people uh, that had better get a hold of yourself uh, tonight. Uh, your walk with God uh, has grown cold uh, because the curiosity trap uh, of Satan uh, has been at work in your life. Uh, and you've been looking at some things uh, and listening to some things uh, that are influencing you. Uh, and instead of you being close uh, to God, uh, they've drawn your heart. Uh, they've drawn your mind. Uh, and they've got your attention someplace else. Never satisfied. Don't you let the devil lie to you and tell you it's just going to be one little test. I just want to touch it. I'm not going to eat it. I just want to touch it. I'm not going to go. I would never backslide. I would never do this. You don't know what you would do once you start disobeying God. You don't know what you would do once you start going that direction. You had better get a clean control of your curiosity and get yourself back on an altar before God. I'm preaching because God woke me up uh, at 4 o'clock on Thursday morning uh, with a burden in my heart uh, for some people uh, in this building. Moses turned aside. That curiosity was designed get your attention, for God to be able to get your attention. The enemy's competing for your attention. Let me talk about boredom for just a moment. Because part of the language, the early language of backsliders, I'm bored. 
You've heard the saying that an idle mind is the devil's playground. Woo. Moments of solitude. Boredom is the lack of engagement in God's purpose for your life. You're bored because you have found yourself disengaged from the purpose of life. And so, instead of you being sensitive to God's burning bush, your boredom causes you to reach for the world's burning bush. And instead of God capturing your attention, your phone gets your attention. I'm preaching right now. In moments where God said, I wish you would pray, you grab your phone and get back on Insta. You grab your phone and get back on Facebook uh, and hours of time go by uh, that were supposed to be spent uh, with you and God. Uh, but instead of you hearing the voice uh, of God, uh, the world's burning. But what is it? Uh, it's insatiable curiosity. Satan's gotten really good at getting your attention. It burns out your sensitivity to the voice of God. Until pretty soon, your impulse to boredom is to grab your phone. Your impulse to boredom is to get on the computer. Your impulse to boredom is to grab a book. Your impulse to boredom, you go study it out. Even the little Facebook icon and the Instagram icon on your phone have psychological research done there's something about it that makes you want to push it it's designed to draw you to hit it can I got any honest people in here you you ever got done scrolling through 563,000 posts close the app and take it 10 seconds later you turn it right back on See, none of y'all gonna be real none of y'all gonna be real right now it's a burning bush I said it's a burning bush designed to capture your attention. Don't spend time with God. Don't spend time in the Word. Don't It'll rob you of everything that you're worth. It'll rob you of everything you're supposed to be doing. It'll rob you of every purpose in your life. You had better be aware of the burning bushes of Satan that are at work in this world. till you come to church and you can't even pay attention the Holy Ghost the real fire of God is moving in a church service but you're so desensitized by the world's burning bushes that you don't even get excited anymore you can yawn through a whole service you can sit back through an altar call you can navigate your way I'm preaching to you you had better be aware of the trap of human curiosity When Moses turned aside, verse number four of Exodus chapter three, put it up there. Bible says that when God 
saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush. When God sees that you're sensitive to him getting your attention, what does it take for God to get your attention? How hard does God have to work to get your attention? What does it take for God to get your attention to the point uh, that you're sensitive to the preaching of the word? What does it take for God to get your attention to where you'll run to an altar and make the altar a place of repentance? What does it take? How distracted are you that God's burning bush is over here, but something else has your attention, and God wants to talk to you, and God wants to give you direction, and God wants to speak to you, but you're so caught up in everything else. Don't tell me how you're confused about life, and you don't know what to do when you've not spent any time with your God. Your God wants to talk to you. Your God wants to give you direction. Your God wants uh, to empower you uh, but you've allowed the enemy uh, to draw you away when God saw Moses turn aside when God sees you draw to him he'll draw nigh to you Moses turns aside and God speaks to him and listen to what he says. He says, draw night, not nigh hither, but put off thy shoes from off thy feet for the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. I'll remind you that later in the book in chapter number 12, God gives them instruction concerning eating the Passover, that they were to eat the Passover with their shoes on. Why? Because you've got to be ready uh, to go. There's a sense of urgency. Uh, you're not going to be here long. Uh, have your shoes on. Uh, and so when God tells Moses uh, to take your shoes off, uh, God said, Moses, uh, I want you to stay a while. Uh, I've got your attention, um, and I don't want you to be in a hurry. Uh, I don't want the exigencies of your life to cause you to rush out of my presence. I'm preaching to us. There's some of us, you can't make it through 10 minutes of prayer without checking your phone. You can't make it through a 30-minute prayer meeting without getting on Instagram or checking your text messages. You can't make it through a church service. God can't keep your attention through an entire service sermon uh, without you being uh, on your phone. Uh, but God said, uh, when I get your attention, uh, Moses, uh, take off your shoes. Uh, I want you to stay a while. Uh, I want you to bask uh, in my presence. I get concerned. Saints of God, 
that I never see spending time in the altar praying. Or they'll come to right here. Right here. And this is as far as they go. You want to know why? Because that altar represents complete surrender of the flesh. I'm going to preach that again. The altar was a place of death. It's a place where the animal died. And people stop short of the altar because their heart's not surrendered. I don't want to give. I don't want to surrender. I got some things I'm holding on to. I get concerned when I see people go for service after service and I never see them broken an altar. And I don't see them weeping before God. And I don't see them spending time in his presence. What's happened? Your curiosity has been drawn, drawn you away. There's other things in your life that have your attention besides God. And if Satan can keep you there long enough, you're in a transition to backsliding. I know this isn't going to cause you to run the aisles tonight, but I'm reaching for somebody's soul in this house. You can't stay in that existence for long. Because human curiosity uh, is never uh, satisfied. Uh, you'll never be satisfied. Uh, the Bible said you can either love God uh, or love mammon. Uh, you either love God or you love the world. Uh, no man can love uh, or serve uh, two masters. Uh, he will either love the one uh, and hate the other uh, or he will cling to the one uh, and despise the other. Uh, I'm preaching to some people in this building. Uh, it's time for you to get off the and get yourself back in the presence of God. God is reaching for you. God is reaching for you tonight. Take off your shoes, Moses. God begins to turn Moses' life was a defining moment in his life. I can take you to the book of Genesis, chapter 32, where we find Jacob. The Bible said that he goes across the Fort Jabbok. Interestingly enough, the word Jabbok means the place of emptying out. Sometimes God can't fill us because we have no capacity. Our life is so full of everything else that there's no room for him. Our thoughts, our minds are so full of everything else we've been putting in it all week long that God cannot even access our thinking. God said, when you come before my presence this time, I want you to empty everything out. And I want you to come to me empty. Leave your wife. Leave your kids. I want you to come by yourself. 
And the Bible said that Jacob was alone. Ooh, let me talk about that for a moment. I had somebody send me a message on Facebook this week, and I didn't respond. Let me respond in this message. They said, what would you say to somebody who said they felt lonely? I would say three things, maybe four. Number one is quit living your life by your feelings. The heart is exceeding and desperately wicked above all things. Your emotions will lie to you. The second thing I would say is that many times loneliness is a result of decisions we make. I don't have time to elaborate. But the third thing, and maybe the most important one for tonight, is that sometimes aloneness is orchestrated by God. Somewhere God's got to be able to get your attention to the place that you set everything else down. And you push everything else to the side. And you come across that river. And you say, God, it's just me and it's you. I'm preaching to somebody Quit being afraid of being alone. Quit running from places of aloneness. Could it be that you're running from the very experience that God is trying to get to talk to you and to make you and to mold you? You can never be what God wants you to be without learning how to handle aloneness. God did not design you to find ultimate fulfillment in human relationships. He did not design you to find the peak of happiness and fulfillment being surrounded with friends and buddies and family. God designed you so that the greatest fulfillment you could ever find is alone in his presence. People who spend time with God are never alone. I said people who spend time with God are never alone. You'll remember Jesus when he went to the Garden of Gethsemane. Gethsemane means the olive press. I don't have time to preach a whole Bible study about the oil and the flow and the analogy of Scripture here. But it was in the garden that he defeated death, hell, and the grave. It was in the garden that he fought the battle. 
And you'll remember that when he goes into the garden to pray, he tells the disciples, come and watch with me and pray with me. I want to be surrounded by my friends and my buddies. Come on. Y'all, come on. Come pray. And what happens? They fall asleep. And he goes by himself. And you'll remember he prays how many times? He prayed three times. The first time he prayed, he did not surrender. He was wrestling with the will of God. Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to do this, God. And he comes out of the garden. And what happens? He gets frustrated. Because when you're not surrendered to God, your relationships with people become frustrated. And his frustration with them had nothing to do with them. It had to do with an unsurrendered human spirit that was still struggling. I'm preaching real good right now. Could you not pray with me for one hour? What's the matter with you? What kind of friends? I, I see how, what kind of a friend you are. Leave me all by myself. What kind of a friend is that? Now, come on, if you're really my friends. These men had followed him everywhere. Late nights, early morning, stormy seas. I don't believe for one moment that they, that they didn't have the discipline to not sleep. I believe it was divinely orchestrated. There are times your aloneness is divinely orchestrated by God. He goes in the second time. What happens? They fall asleep. The second time, still no settlement. He comes back out. He's angry with them again. He goes in the third time. This time, he says, not my will, but thy will be done. And this time, you read it when you get home. When he comes out of the garden... He looks at the disciples and says, sleep on. Because he finally understood what needed to happen in the garden had nothing to do with you. Quit fighting places of aloneness. Quit trying to fill those moments of aloneness with everything else. Instagram doesn't have what you need. Facebook doesn't have what you need. YouTube doesn't have what you need. FaceTime with friends doesn't have what you need. Your text messages don't have what you need. God is trying to get your attention. Jacob goes across the forge of Bach. Bible says there the angel of the Lord God himself wrestles with him listen something happened to Jacob in that moment because there came a time when the angel of the Lord said let me go for the day breaketh I'm watching the clock I'm out of time I got things to do my schedule's pressing I got places to go people to see but something clicked inside of Jacob. His shoes were off. Time doesn't matter right now, God. I'm not going to let you go. 
until you bless me. He made up his mind right then and there. What was it now? Curiosity was working the way it was supposed to work. God, I need more of you. I've got to say, Lord, don't leave me now. God, I can't stop praying right now. I want more of this. Show me your face. Show me your glory. Open up heavenly things to me. God, lead me deeper. That's what curiosity was designed to do. I can't let you go till you bless me, God. I wonder when the last time was that some of us came to an altar and we threw we threw away the clock and we forgot about work tomorrow and we forgot about where we were going to eat dinner and we forgot about the bills that need paid and we forgot about the argument that we had before church when's the last time that we got alone in God's presence and said God I'm not going to let you go until you bless me Go ahead and come. Go ahead and come. There's a bush that's burning tonight. There's a fire that's burning tonight. And God's trying to get your attention. God's trying. How long are you going to stand there and let your mind wander off? How long are you going to stand there? Come on. Come on, somebody in this building. I got more to preach, but the Holy Ghost is moving right now. Somebody, somebody right now needs to lift up your hands and say, Lord, I'm not satisfied. Lord, I'm not satisfied. I need more of you, God. I need a better walk with you. God, would you take me deeper than I've ever been before? God, would you take me further in my walk? Come on, somebody. It's time for you to tune out all of the voices, all of the things that have been occupying your heart. It's time for you to lay aside all of the things uh, that have captured uh, your attention. Um, Come on. uh, Come on. uh, God's trying to get uh, your attention tonight. Uh, God's trying to get. uh, Come on, young man. Uh, Come on, young lady. Uh, It's time for you uh, to shut off uh, the voices of the world uh, that are trying to capture your attention. Um, It's time for you to silence uh, the voices of the enemy. Come on. uh, Show me your face. I want to see you. I want to see you. 